Welcome back to the Chuck and Shoop show. I'm your host, Shoop. I'm I'm your boy Chuck. And I'm ready to rock. And rock we will. Man, did those that second round of the playoffs rock. Another great batch of games, some closer than others. Yeah. Rest in peace, New York Giants. Yeah, it's all right. It's, yeah. It's all right. Yeah. We're we're all proud of the boys. Uh, but regardless, there are four teams left, and we're going to break down those matchups. We're also going to talk a bit about the eliminated teams and some of the dilemmas they're facing in the offseason and the near future. So get ready for some big-time NFL coverage, but we got a big-time segment to start off this show. And what is that segment, Mr. Chuck? You know you know how we do things. Little dubs and L's start us off. W's and L's, baby. Okay, so my W is going to be a bit controversial because it could easily be an L depending on your perspective. So this happened about five days ago in the Grizzlies-Lakers game. You might have heard about the little halftime shenanigans that went on. So what was caught on air was Shan Sharp, who was sitting courtside at the game, jawing with John Morant's dad and some of the Grizzlies players. Oh, yeah. So you you might be watching this like, what the hell is going on? Why is Shan Sharp getting involved? So Shan Sharp actually got a halftime interview out of all of this. And here's the full, here's the full quote from Shan Sharp. They didn't want this smoke, Dave. They do all this talking and jockeying. And I ain't about that jockeying. It started with Dylan Brooks. I said he was too small to guard LeBron James. He said, fuck me. I said, fuck you back. <laughs> He started to come at me, and I said, you don't want these problems. And then Jock came out of nowhere talking. He definitely didn't want these problems. Then Dad came, and he obviously didn't want no problems. So <laughs> so there's, like, levels to the problems that everyone wanted. I, I love it. He finishes off by saying, but I wanted anything they had. Don't let these fools fool you now. Okay. So why is Shan Sharp making a, a big deal at an NBA game? I really don't know. Maybe because he was so close that he saw something with what the Grizzlies players were saying on the court that bothered him, so he decided to call some people out. Mm. Uh, we know he's a big LeBron stand too, so that's oh, yeah. also part of it. Yeah, uh, but I I think this is an absolute W because it turned what was really a meaningless regular season game into a WWE like event where players were former athletes from the stands, not even the same sport are causing havoc with the players on the court and he doesn't even get ejected for it's it's unbelievable in that sense shan sharp gets ratings for his show the nba gets more ratings as a result because of the clicks on this clip and i really think at the end of the day everybody wins oh everybody wins uh lebron and shin sharp are even tighter uh i love that quote lebron's like I'm rocking with Shannon 365 days of the year, 366 days on leap year. And I love that. Shannon Sharp backing up his boy. You know, I'm a big LeBron guy, but I love that. It's it's the NBA. Zero days gone by where there's not where there's a day with no drama in the NBA. It's still yep. zero days every day. I love it. Like a men's soap opera. Exactly. And you know it's not a soap opera, tennis. But it is my dub. Because you know who's back, Shoop? Our boy Note. Our boy Novak Djokovic is back. Oh, he, yeah, you know, a little taste right here. I think it was a little dub. You know, I'm keeping up with the tennis right here. I got my bets on no, Novak to win the whole thing. So he just swept 
This guy, Rublev, 6'1", 6'2", 6'4". He's on to the semifinals. And I wouldn't be surprised if he just sweeps a competition from here on out because nobody else is in that tournament, I think, that can beat him. Yep, and you had uh, Nadal get eliminated early. Obviously, Federer is retired. So yep. Djokovic is going to dominate for really as long as he feels like, as long as he wants to be in the sport. 100%. Uh, yeah, so someone else is going to have to rise to the top in the meantime. I agree. We'll see who it is. All yeah, right, L. So, so, yeah, big L for me. Um, L, so, you know, um, watching football games more intensely these past few weeks because mm-hmm. no more red zone, of course, uh, big time playoff games. So, you know, you watch games more intensely. You also listen to announcers more intensely. And I've always had a problem with Tony Romo since the first time he was an announcer. Now, what Tony Romo did that was fantastic when he first started was he was like the Nostradamus of play, play calling. He would predict play calls before it happened. And everyone was very wowed by that. But I don't think a lot of people were ever very wowed by his voice. Well, it seems like the public is catching on because there are multiple articles across the internet just complaining about Tony Romo, and almost rightfully so. There's a few problems with Romo. Romo, it's like he just like bursts all of his energy into the broadcast when he doesn't need to. The biggest example of this was a few weeks ago when Naheem Hines had that special return touchdown, the opening kickoff. And Romo should have just sat and let the crowd do its thing, but Romo just kept unnecessarily rambling across the broadcast. Yo, that's funny you say that. He was talking too much. That is funny. Way too much. Now, there's other things that Romo does that really bothers me. He does a lot of uh, grunts and um, like little sound effects in his broadcast, which just sound a little bit weird. Like It just sounds like your drunk friend trying to be too funny on the couch. (laughs) but failing miserably. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I see it now. Um, Romo sometimes with his uh, choice of words, it's not great. Like, so in this past week, when the, the Bills against the Bengals, Josh Allen threw a pass to Stefan Diggs, and he said it was a perfectly thrown ball, but it was a little bit wide. So changing the definition of perfect, I see. <laughs> um, but it's... most of all, it's just his absolute indecisiveness on the mic. So where sometimes we're, we'll be watching a replay of a challenge and he'll be like, ah, I don't know, Jim. Like, like you could have hired a homeless guy and he could have said the exact same thing. So I hope more people catch on to this, but I am absolutely sick of watching Tony Romo. He needs his own mute button. I I love that L. That, that's that's got to it's there for L of the month, probably L of the week. Because I, I didn't really notice these things, but now I just noticed them. And the best part is the, uh, I don't know about this, Jim. How many times are you going to hear that? Every game. Every I'm tired game. of sucking off QBs. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with that. My, my L is, it isn't in the lake. It's in the Laker realm. It's not like a huge L, but it's more towards the Laker organization. Now, the Shannon Sharp thing, it wasn't a, ter- a terrible look. Um, and then it's not even about that. It's just about the organization as a whole. I feel terrible for uh, LeBron. LeBron is putting up immense numbers across the board every night, putting the t- literally put, I've never seen a man put the team on his back 
um, even though I was a kid. But the last time I, I've seen like someone put something on their back was again LeBron in like 03 when he got drafted. But this is 38 year old LeBron, and I saw last night. I don't know if we could put this up this picture, but it's LeBron. I'm pretty sure you saw it, Shoop, sitting there just defeated after getting his ass kicked by the Clippers. They've he's now lost like 10. The Lakers have lost 10 straight against the Clippers. Um, they did just sign a uh, Hachim, uh, not sign, traded for Hachimura from the Wizards. So maybe that puts him back into the gear, gives LeBron some depth. But last night he scored 46 points. The closest person to 20 was Westbrook, and he scored 17. And Westbrook is coming off the bench. So it's just inexcusable as a franchise like that to have a player with that caliber on the team and nobody's contributing. So huge L. Yeah, and how do you lose 10 straight to your inferior in-city in rival? They play in the same no- fucking arena. Yeah, and you know part of it is the roster construction, um, but – Part of it is also that the Lakers just want to sell seats. They know LeBron's playing, so they'll sell seats. So we don't need to build a competitive roster. Um, I I just realized that. Nothing will change until new ownership. That'll be a long time. Freaking genie. Yeah. But uh, we got the genie on some NFL debates. Let's talk about the New York Giants. So, as we mentioned, we're proud of this team. Of how long, of how far they came this year under the tenure of De- Brit, under the tenure of Brian Dable, mm-hmm. uh, but they got some big questions to answer in the off season. Their two most important players, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, both free agents this off season. A year ago today, we were questioning whether to pay either of them at all, and they both bounced back with huge years. And Daniel Jones really blossomed under the coaching of Brian Dable and has best season ever turned the ball over way less than he has in the past. And Saquon Barkley finally rejuvenated himself uh, looking like the back of old. Now Saquon was, or has already made a comment saying that he understands that he's been hurt a lot recently and he's not looking to reset the market at RB. Um, Daniel Jones, however, he took a more passive approach, left it up in the air, saying whatever happens this offseason happens, and he was thankful for his time with the Giants. Uh, so let me leave this up to you, Chuck. Yes. Do they both get deserve to get paid? And if they do both get paid, can they c- compete long-term? I think they definitely both deserve to get paid. It's just the, um, you know, the, the way they pay them, right? So I, I was looking up like McCaffrey. He makes almost, I think it's like, fifteen million a year on a four-year contract, right? Now that's like the the standard, right? And nobody wants to pay running backs big money, but I think Saquon is that guy. He's come off of a ACL tear, ankle injury, what have you, and he's come back better than ever, maybe even like more improved than his rookie year, which was phenomenal. He did it all. We have a, you have a young old line that can put the team on their back. This guy has all the chemistry he's built for New York. I, I don't see them letting him go. I can see him signing them, signing him for like a 12 million a year or like, a, I don't know, but they'll come to a, you know, a, a, an agreement 
and they should sign Barkley four years, I think. And then ultimately franchise tag Danny Dimes for like the 30, whatever it is. That might be a cap hit. But I think you you got to go with these two guys no matter what. Well, I agree that both of them should be resigned, especially after the years they had. But the, the money part's a little bit tricky. Yeah. Um, I, I think you absolutely can't franchise tag Saquon. Because, yeah, you can't. You cannot. Because you got to give him a, a deal eventually at that point. And, you know, he might have only three or four really good seasons as running backs don't last very long in the NFL period. Mm-hmm. Very rare that they they play well into their 30s. So if you want to sign him, now's really a time. And I would even front load the the money um, a lot in these next few years um, when you know you're going to get the best out of him. Daniel Jones is a tough one. So Daniel Jones played extremely well this year. And he fits well with Brian Dable. We saw how Josh Allen developed under Dable and Jones is on a similar trajectory. Um, now, Jones, he never, he's never really had a fair shot with elite receivers and O-line. Um, but if you pay him and Saquon, then you're limiting your chances to really build on that. You really have, you have to nail your draft picks or develop the guys you have to really be competitive. The other thing that screws over the Giants a bit is the quarterback market this offseason. There's a lot of teams that are looking for quarterbacks. And ideally, the Giants should pay Jones in the mid-market range to like a 25 to 30 million tune, maybe up to 35. I like it. Um, But it's not like they have leverage. There's so many teams that would want a quarterback like that. And if they could, if they just let him walk in free agency, someone's gonna, someone's gonna pay him. So the Giants can't go, can't lowball the the offer. They can franchise tag, uh, but the franchise tag is still pretty expensive. And um, then you're you're gonna ne- end up having to give him a contract anyway. Um, yeah, I see the I'm, tricky. Yeah, my my analysis is I'm happy I'm not in this situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, agreed. Agreed. But the Giants going with to next year without either of these guys would be a disaster. So yeah, they are not good. Couldn't have um, said it better. Yeah. So, so it's funny that we talk about this because there is a similar situation going on with another NFC East team that we just saw unfold. Cowboys once again missed the conference championship, losing to the 49ers. They played well. It was a tough game. Tony Pollard's injury certainly hurt. Uh, but the Cowboys were held back by two things. So Pollard got hurt, and Zeke was the full got the full load. He's their $95 million boy, and he looked washed. Could not do anything. Good run defense. Could run defense, but just didn't make a difference in the game. And then Dak with two back-breaking turnovers. So back-breaking that the Cowboys' official Twitter even – tweeted out saying uh, Dax threw costly interceptions. Like, their own Twitter. Like, the official Twitter. It, it was ridiculous. So, here's the question I'm going to propose to you, Chuck. Yes. Have the Cowboys hit their ceiling with the current court that they have? Steve, as So, as a Giants fan, yeah, 100%. It's chaos right now, and I love it. I love to see what happened, what, they, what the 49ers did. I'd love to see Dak just be Dak, you know, 
but as a realist, you you really you can't count them out because it has to be two things. It yes, it is Dak's quarterback play. Also has to be coaching. It has to be coaching. There were like two plays that um that will Dak miss, but there was another play like I mean that's on Trayvon Diggs, but he missed a pick off a tip pass. Like you got to execute on these plays. Like you got to do the little things in practice, work on tip passes. I don't know. Um, definitely a lot of missed tackling on defense too, but you can't knock that defense cause it is a championship defense and they have all the weapons to be a championship team. Yes. Dax holding them back, but at the same time, you, like they can't quit on the situation. They got to maybe give Dak one more year, but it definitely is not looking good. Or they got to change a coach. I definitely wouldn't suggest a rebuild or anything, but you're right to touch on the coach. My opinion, Mike McCarthy, I think that he's just an average coach with above average coordinators. Yes. That elevates the team's status. Uh, There's a reason why him and Aaron Rodgers could never make it work. He's just very conservative and just gets out coached by the big names. I mean, we're, 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 I'm going to highlight a play that really didn't matter, which is the last play of the game. But the fact that he lined up in that formation and 49ers called the timeout yeah. and he still went for it. Uh, the Cowboys shot themselves in the foot in every way possible in that last drive. Uh, but what I'm going to say uh, is yes, the defense is legit, but as long as Dak and Zeke are swallowing up all that money. Yeah. I. How is this team going to take that next step? They need. They just need that, like a fire, that spark. And I don't know if McCarthy's the guy to do it. Dak. Dak throws the, makes the worst throws at the worst possible times. And really, I just think this franchise has been cursed for like over 30 years now. It has to be. It has to be. Too much that, pressure, maybe? One, uh, it's got to be the pressure. Ever since Romo fumbled that snap in the, uh, I think it was a playoff game against the Seahawks in 05. I don't remember when. Um, also, Zeke, compared to the Saquon, like this is this is a great instance. Like when Zeke got his extension, I think Saquon looks way better for an extension than when Zeke got an extension. I thought when Zeke got an extension with the Cowboys, dude, I – I knew this year he was a flop. Like he's not going to be good next year. Pollard's the guy, and yeah, the Cowboys could be in trouble, but they still have a championship defense. Yeah, and I don't know what's going to change with them this off season. It's probably going to be the same core. So we'll see if they make any major moves. And hopefully they keep Cooper Rush. Yeah, yeah. He, he maybe he would have won them the game. Who knows? Exactly. Okay, uh, we got one more question, but. Before we go, I just want a quick word from our sponsors at Underdog Fantasy. The conference championship game is coming up, so if you would like to play in some games on Sunday, sign up using promo code Chuck and Shoot. You get up to $100 in deposit match and follow the action, make it more exciting, and think about our, your boys right here. Download the yeah. app. Go get it. Second shoot promo code. Link in the description. Okay. So final debate over the eliminated teams. And uh this one is the most interesting to me. Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Um, so that they, they crash out of playoffs again. The year before, Ozzy got heartbreaker. 
it could have really gone either way. But this year was just they're just completely outmatched physically and mentally. Yeah. In their home stadium with DeMar Hamlin cheering them on. What in you, in your opinion, watching that game, processing it, what is wrong with the Buffalo Bills right now? I when you see the snow coming down in that game, you saw this the field was covered in snow. I thought of the irony that they were the snow team and they were just getting their ass beat. Like run game, pass game, um doing the little things, they were they were fucking up on defense. Two touchdowns that the, that the Bengals got in the in the uh in the first half were defensive mistakes. The first one on the on the uh they faked this they faked no the first one on um Jamar Chase was open in the middle of the field. Burrow stepped up. Nobody was in the middle of the field. There's supposed to be a safety there. They ran the wrong coverage. The other one, they pump faked a, a tunnel screen and then the guy um went up the sideline for a fade wide open. Whose man is that? Just misalignments. Um Bengals absolutely just ran over the the bulls the the bulls the bills joe mixon went off uh, that was like the last person in the game i thought who's gonna who's gonna go off um the bills uh secondary was nowhere to be found Tredavious white coming off an injury he didn't really look that good um and then joe burrow just had he had all the time in the world to throw back there the bills have no pass rush uh, injuries killed them this year. Um, also, they had to go play in a different um, stadium they, uh, because of the huge snowstorm in Buffalo. Uh, also, a traumatic event that had to do with Demar Hamlin as a whole. Like all, like those three things. Like just what a long fucking season. Like if I'm a Bills fan, I'm just like at the end of the day, I I feel like Stefan Diggs on Twitter saying shit like like we fucking lost like again to like the Bengals who the week before couldn't score in the second half um against the Ravens team with no Lamar Jackson on the other side so it it is mind-boggling but I I really do feel bad for the Bills and I hope this next season um Josh Allen gets his arm fixed they everybody's healthy and they're ready to go well said Chuck lots of problems with the Bills I think it just simply got Outcoached like big time. That too. Uh, that too. The the Bengals dialed up these blitzes, these corner blitzes from the nickel, and the Bills just uh they they only ran five of these plays and they got pressure on four of them. Bills were just completely unprepared. The Sean McDermott did nothing to adjust to it. Uh, but the other thing is, without Dable, uh, Josh Allen just looks kind of lost out there. He's it's happened multiple times this season where you know he's an Iraq player by nature. He loves to bomb it deep. He can he'll run or pass on any play. Uh, you never know what's going to happen when the ball's in Josh Allen's hand. Yeah. Uh, but when the Bengals players are holding their assignments and being disciplined, uh, Allen was making these, like, trying to make these wild throws and just not connecting. And it's it's really just inexcusable that they put up 10 points. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. Uh, Allen... I would say he's got his issues fixed, but it's the Bills' play calling that's relying too much on Allen trying to be Superman. Allen and, and Diggs. Yeah, just and it's it's just not working. I mean, they really like these receivers, like Gabe Davis, Shakir. Um, they put up numbers, 
but they're not real number two guys or nope. real complimentary guys. They're just guys out there benefiting from a good quarterback. The Bills could really use another guy if they want to make this offense dominant. And my last point is Buffalo has designed its entire offense as an air raid kind of system. But that kind of system is not built to win in Buffalo in January. Uh, if they're And they're not a running team. They, they've got talented running backs on the roster, but they, they're not built around the running game besides Josh Allen design runs. Yeah. And that hurts them. Because so, everybody's looking for it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Bill's got a lot of soul searching to do this offseason. If heads will roll if they don't make noise next season. Oh yeah. Look for uh you know, look for the Jets if they sign Aaron Rodgers. They'll be my favorite for the a- AFC East. I think we gotta slow down there a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout shout out to the Brett Favre arc. Yeah. Let's go for round two. Yeah, let's go yeah, full circle. <laughs> yeah. It really is crazy. Um, all right. So here we are. NFC championship, AFC championship. Sunday should be a really good one. I don't think there's a doubt that we got the four best teams in the NFL right now. Oh which yeah. Makes makes it great. We love the Cinderella stories, but it should be two extremely competitive games. Neither game has a point spread bigger than minus three. So we're they're predicting competitive. So let's start with the NFC championship. We got 49ers at Eagles. Brock Purdy is obviously the story, uh keeping his undefeated streak alive. Mm-hmm. But the Eagles look dominant last week and say what you want about the giants i just think it was a complete performance by the eagles on both sides of the ball yeah it's a really tough matchup but um what matchups are you looking at in this game to make a difference so in this game and it sounds like cliche i keep saying it but this game it is who who has the better o-line who has the better d-line it's the line of scrimmage um i'll give eagles the edge on the defensive back side for their defense um but I think the 49ers, they just they just have better. I think they have better guys all around. Like on defense, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, um, in the secondary, uh, Chadavius Ward, um uh uh what's his name? Not Tart, I think Tart. Um what also on offense, we got Brandon Ayuk, Trent Williams at left tackle, uh McCaffrey, uh Debo Samuel, Kittle. Like I think they have an elite group. And whoever does better up front on the on either side, offense and defense, wins the game. Um, to get at the Eagles, there was no pass rush the Giants had last week. They played like they played like shit. Let's be honest. But that O line mm-hmm. is outstanding. So Nick Bosa is gonna have to get around those tackles. Uh, look him, look at him to go after um, Lane Johnson because he's even though he looked fine, he was favoring an injury earlier these past two weeks. So I'm looking for Nick Bosa to get after Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts is going to have to throw outside the pocket because uh, the only re- the only way they can exploit the 49ers is if the 49ers play man, and the Eagles run their RPO threat, and they keep like a numbers game outside and inside zone. So we'll see what happens, but I got the Niners. Interesting. So um, I agree with you with the trenches. They're going to be especially huge two really good O-lines and two really good D-lines. You could argue two best D-lines in the whole NFL. That's it. Um, what I'm looking at, a matchup that could be exploited in this game as there's talent on both sides of the ball. The 49ers cornerback group has been uh, 
pretty torched, uh, especially these last few weeks of the season. Uh, Charverius Ward in particular, he's their number one corner, but he's not played well. He DK Metcalf absolutely dominated him in the first week of the playoffs. Uh, and if the Eagles O-line holds up, then I think we're going to see plenty of open A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Uh, I think they're going to scheme up and get them open. I don't see it as, as a big running game day for the Eagles, but you know, one thing that the 49ers struggle with is limiting mobile quarterbacks. Uh, Hurts, they can stuff the run game on the inside, but if Hurts can get to the outside and start making plays, it could be a long day for the 49ers defense. They might be spending a long time on the field. Last, last thing. So Brock Purdy. Um, I feel like we keep doubting him, but it has to be said. This is, once again, Purdy's toughest test. Purdy's only played two road games as a starter. Uh, and one, they're, they weren't against really good teams. I know one of them was against the Raiders in the last week of the season, in which the Niners almost lost, uh, which is more due to their defense, if anything. But regardless, Purdy's got to go into Philadelphia the most raucous environment uh, he's ever seen. Oh, yeah. We we really don't know for sure how he's going to perform in that environment. Also, interesting fact, in his career in road games, as a college quarterback, he's under 500. While at home, he's he's dominant. He's got like a 19-4 and record as a home quarterback, but 11-13 as a road quarterback. I thought that was interesting. Obviously, it's college versus NFL, but he, never, he didn't really have any signature wins on the road in college. Uh, so take that as you will. I still think the 49ers are extremely talented, uh, but I like the Eagles here. I think they continue their dominance. Uh, something to check out. Um, I was watching on YouTube last night. Um, it was Brock Purdy, uh, for Iowa state, uh, played against Jalen Hurts when Jalen Hurts was on Oklahoma and he was at Oklahoma and I think this was 2019. You could check the game out on YouTube. Um, Jalen Hurts won the Oklahoma won by one point, and Brock Purdy came down twenty one points in the fur in the fourth, and lost on a two point conversion to try and win the game. So, wow. something to keep in mind there. <laughs> Definitely worth to watch. I ho- hopefully get another game like that. Yeah, that's Although, what I'm saying. It's it, the, these defenses aren't Big Twelve defenses. That I will too. Say that. that too. That too. All right. Well, looking looking forward to it going. That one should be close. Um, this one's going to be highly anticipated coming up. We got the Bengals and the Chiefs rematch of last year's AFC Championship. The narrative in this game is is uh, not the typical Chiefs narrative. You know, Chiefs usually have the upper hand in situations like this, but not against the Bengals. Mahomes is zero and three against Burrow uh, in the last in the last three years. Uh, Burrow Burrow's owned him in this time. And now you have the added factor. Mahomes dealing with a high ankle sprain. He says he's fine. He's gonna play. But Chuck, what what kind of Mahomes are you expecting out there on Sunday? Uh the, I'm expecting the same one that he's been the same MVP Mahomes of the 2022 season that he's been playing all year. Um, he threw a touchdown. He threw two touchdown passes on, or maybe it was one on one leg um, against a Jaguars defense that gets after the quarterback. Um, more than usual. So I give him mad props for the toughness. I was worried about this week. I didn't think he was going to play, but there's no way my boy Pat isn't going to 
is going to miss the fucking AFC championship and an opportunity to get the monkey off his back. Um, but I want to say one thing um, about this matchup. It's not that Joe Burrow defeated um, Pat Mahomes because Joe Burrow doesn't really play defense. Um, it's more that the Pat Mahomes lost to the Chiefs defense, not Chiefs, to the Bengals defense. Because one, you can't turn over the ball late in the game like they did earlier in the season. They were up four points driving across midfield. Kelsey caught a ball, went to midfield, and then he was about to go down. Then they just fucking stripped it. Bengals score, and then Chiefs uh, turn a, uh, miss a field goal, and then Bengals get the ball at the end of the game, run the clock out. So you can't turn over the ball, one, Chiefs. Can't turn over the ball to win this game. You can't turn over the ball. And two, you got to get off the field on third down. There's so many times where I watch this fucking team, the Bengals, the Chiefs will get them on third and eight, third and five, third and seven. And somehow fucking there's a check down open or a guy in the middle of the field just open. So there's going to be, they're not going to take shots. There's no way they're going to take shots. The Chiefs have the upper hand with them being healthier than last game that they played them. They're getting a couple guys back, I'm pretty sure, since last time. So, you know, I got Chiefs, but I would not be surprised if the Bengals do win in a late field goal because Patrick Mahomes gets like a tip pass pick or something because of the ankle injury. Yeah, that would be some BS, though, but um, I'm locking it in. The Bengals are going to win this game. Um, my lock of the we'll playoffs, see. actually. Uh, okay. That's your lock? We- what is it, just money line? Just yeah, winning the game. I mean, it's a one point spread anyway. So basically, any it's money line anyway. But the the reason the Bengals have owned the Chiefs over the years is because Joe Burrow he excels against the blitz more than any other defensive scheme. The Chiefs need to blitz to generate pressure, and Burrow eats that up all day, and he has in the past. The other thing is the running back. So in the previous matchup earlier this season with uh, Samaje Pirine. P Ryan ran P Ryan and Mixon. I believe they both played in that game and they both had big games, as you said, like check downs out of the backfield or like uh, outside zone running plays. Yeah. Bengals excelled at that. Absolutely. Uh, there, there aren't really many instances of quarterbacks playing on a high ankle sprain in like a big game. The one, the one I found was Ben Roethlisberger in 2011 in which he suffered a high ankle sprain and proceeded to throw three interceptions the next week. So, um, obviously, Mahomes, he's an otherworldly talent, but you got to think it's affecting him, and he he's not going to be able to run the ball, which is a huge part of his arsenal. Uh, I think it's just set up for the Bengals to come in here, the Bengals, Bengals to come into Arrowhead and win. The Bengals have been pissed off ever since the whole coin flip uh, fiasco. And they've been playing with, um, they've been playing like hotheads ever since. And shout out to Zach Taylor. He doesn't get enough credit as the kind of coach that he is. But the fact that they had Shadobi Ouzier lost for a season, torn ACL, and then their three best O linemen down, and the reserves come in, rookies or unproven players, and play just like the starters did, didn't miss a beat. And it's huge for the Bengals. If that keeps up, they win. Yeah, we'll see. I hate Joe Burrow. Yeah. Um we got a few <laughs> more we got a few more minutes, so Chuck, before before we go, uh what is the matchup, the Super Bowl matchup, if anything, that you would most want to see? Chiefs Niners. Rematch? Yeah. Mm, yeah. I would like to see the um 
it's a, it's a tough one because there's a lot of good storylines here. But um, Niners Bengals, Joe Cool versus that'd be, that'd be a good one. Rock Purdy trying to make unbelievable history. It'd be good, but uh, I don't think you could be upset with any scenario besides the Eagles winning it all. Obviously, yeah, facts. I would not like that. Would not. Yes. We would not hear the end of it. Wow. Yeah. So, go Niners. Go, go Niners. Absolutely. Uh, but that's all we got for you today. Thank you once again for tuning in. If you're on Spotify listening to us, thank you. Uh, share us with your friends. Tell them to follow. If you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, Stupid Sports, then make sure to subscribe. Obviously, get Underdog Fantasy if you haven't, so you can get some free money. Mm-hmm. But until, until then, Chuck, how are we riding out? Uh, we're riding out good. Um, lock of the week, actually. Just let me put that in there. Uh, I'm actually going to go with a prop. I'm just going to throw this in there real quick. I'm on a two-game losing streak, but we got this. Isaiah Pacheco over in yards. And um, all you Bengals fans out there, it's going to be a good one. It should be. I'm going to add in George Kittle over in yards. That too. Uh, I like that. I like that too. I like that too. Okay. So this is is Shoop. I'm Chuck. And we are signing out. Have a good weekend.